Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from John, the 20th chapter. On that evening of that day of that first week, the doors being locked were the disciples for the fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. Dear friends of Christ, you know, today we're going to talk about that word peace, shalom, in the Hebrew language. And we learned about shalom in our Lenten series from Zechariah. If you were in our mid-Lenten series, we learned that shalom is a restoring peace. It, it, it's a restoring, restorative kind of thing. And you say, okay, well, what needs to be restored? So if Christ's death and resurrection happened, what has been restored? If Christ's death and resurrection happened, what needed to be restored? How has it been restored? And what does that restoration mean to us? Well, we're going to answer those questions today as we consider our theme, Peace Be With You. Peace. Shalom. It's the, Jews use it today. It's still, in our, it's still in their language. Shalom. It's kind of like for our, for our language, uh, we would say, how you doing? That's, that's kind of what shalom means today. But back in Jesus' day, in the Bible, shalom means so much more. And, uh, and then, so Jesus used this, this greeting when he visited his disciples right after his death on that resurrection Sunday. Jesus welcomed his disciples with the words, peace be with you. Shalom, shalom be with you. Jesus' word, or Jesus, offers a peace that the rest of the world can't offer. Whatever this shalom is, you can't find it anywhere else. Whatever this shalom is, only Jesus is the giver of it. And so he comes, and the first question that we need to answer then is, if Christ suffered and died and rose again, and if the resurrection has restored something, what's been restored? Well, have you ever had anything in your life restored? And if you've had anything restored, restorations generally, especially if you're doing it yourself, restorations don't go so well. Trying to make something old look new doesn't go so well. Now, if you watch those car shows, you see uh, you know, car shops, and they do that, and, and they, they take something and they make it look better than new when it's finished. And those kind of restorations are spectacular. When, when, at, when it's all said and done, the vehicle looks better than it did when it drove off the new car lot. And we could say shalom happened to that car. We could say peace happened to that car. Because that car has been restored. Well, what's been restored in us then? If Christ's resurrection means something... If Christ's resurrection restored something, what has been restored in you? Well, again, I think Martin Luther says it best in the second meaning of the second article of the Apostles' Creed. He says, I believe that Jesus Christ has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature. That's what's been restored. I'm a lost and condemned creature. I have no right being in the presence of God. I have no right ever being saved. I have no right talking to God, being loved by God, being in the presence of God. 
And Luther exclaims, this redemption is for me. Or to make it more personal, this redemption is for you. The word redeem, well, it means to buy back. And Jesus has purchased your salvation. He has restored your relationship with God. That means something. The heart of the Christian faith is redemption. The heart of the Christian faith, redemption for you. The heart of the Christian faith is the is message of salvation for you. The cross, sins forgiven for you. Your relationship with God restored. So that you can be in the presence of Christ. So that Christ can dwell in you. That's what Zechariah was all about, right? The kingdom of God living in us. And flowing into us and flowing through us and flowing out of us. Restored. Sinners restored back to God. Paul talks about this restoration. God has restored our relationship with Him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore His relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them, and He's given us this message of restored relationships so that we might tell others about it. If Christ's resurrection has restored something, what has been restored? Our relationship. Our relationship with God the Father. And we've been re- sinners have been reunited with God. Now, how did Jesus accomplish this restoration? Well, this reconciliation, this bring, bringing us back together again. Listen, none of this would have ever happened if Christmas hadn't have happened. None of this would have ever happened if Christ hadn't first become human, become man. And uh, the incarnation is such an integral part of our salvation. Shalom. Peace is rooted in the humanity of Jesus. Shalom. Peace is rooted in the wounds of Jesus. Touch me. Feel me. Put your hand in my side. I'm not a ghost. I'm a living being. If the body of Christ did not happen, then His death did not happen. If the body of Christ did not happen, then the resurrection did not happen. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's a body among us. God with us. And this incarnational Christmas theme resonates all the more at Easter when we say, His body is not here, it's risen. And that matters. You see, Jesus came in the human flesh. He suffered and He died in His human flesh to save us. And then He rose again. This is peace. This is peace. The angel announced it to the Virgin Mary, You shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Shalom, restored, peace. Peace be with you. How did He accomplish this restorative forgiveness? Again, Martin Luther talks about it in his second article of the Apostles' Creed that talks about Jesus. Jesus has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me 
not with gold or silver, but He purchased and won me with His holy, precious blood, with His innocent suffering and death. Jesus offers this peace in His body. Touch me, see me, feel me. Not a ghost. I died, I rose, I'm God. And as I died, you will die. And as I live, you will live. And your body will rise in the grave. You see, knowing that our sins are forgiven, shalom, peace, relationship restored, sins forgiven. God is in constant control. God is in charge of your life. Life is okay. You are going to be okay for all eternity. The disciples' lives were not okay. And maybe you think your life's not okay either. The disciples had a tough time. I mean, even after the resurrection, even after the empty tomb, they were still huddled in fear that night. That evening, that Sunday evening, the resurrection day, the disciples were together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. It was the eve of the resurrection Sunday. What a confusing day. A lot to be thought about. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples. Now, Jesus could have said many, many things. He could have talked about his death and he could have talked about so many things. Why peace? Why such a short greeting? Peace be with you. Touch me. It matters. Touch me. Come here. Touch me. I always thought that's kind of gross. And wouldn't it have hurt? Put your hand on my side. Very fleshly. Touch me. Feel me. Not a ghost. Peace be with you. Weird greeting. The resurrection is an important event, though, in the history of the world. Matter of fact, the resurrection is the most important event in all of history. It impacts us and it impacts your life now and forever. You'll understand the impact someday. The disciples are trying to wrap their head around all that. What does the resurrection mean to them? They hadn't figured it out all, all yet. I mean, Jesus had just risen that morning. They're still processing, right? They're still trying to figure out, what does this all mean? What, he's, he's alive? What in the world does that mean? Because they were still worried. They were worried about all the things in the world, but particularly about what was going to happen to them were the Jews come. Now, they understood Jesus was alive. That was good. They understood the resurrection, but what did Christ's resurrection mean for them? Would Jesus, who allowed himself to be arrested, would Jesus, who allowed himself to be beaten to a bloody pulp and then nailed to a cross, would Jesus allow the same thing to happen to them? Would Jesus allow the same thing to happen to you? What was going to happen next? How far is this whole thing going to go? They were huddled in fear. 
What does it mean to follow Jesus? This is kind of scary stuff. This is life and death kind of stuff. How far is it going to go? Would the Roman whip tear into their flesh too? Would the nails pierce their hands and feet for confessing Jesus Christ? Would they die on a cross? Would they have to give up everything in order to confess Jesus to be saved? How far was this going to go? This resurrection thing. Richard Wormbrand gave it all up for Jesus. He was a Lutheran pastor back in Romania in communist Russia days, and the government arrested him because he professed faith in Jesus Christ. He was beaten for his faith. He was arrested for his faith. And he had large scars on his back from the whippings that he received for the Willingness to profess boldly that Jesus is alive. Pastor Richard Wormbrandt was an LCMS pastor, spent 14 years, 14 of his years in prison. Three of it in isolated confinement, solitary confinement, 30 feet beneath the earth. Among other things, he was forced to sit they'd keep hold his eyes wide open he just wanted to sleep they'd beat him they'd hold his eyes wide open they'd play loud music with with communist propaganda hour after hour communism is good christianity is stupid give up his wife sabina was arrested for three years their son wandered the streets And through it all, they never gave up. What was God going to expect of His people? Through it all, they never gave up hope. They never wavered. And through it all, God gave them strength to persevere. Do you think that kind of persecution is coming to America? Good question to ask. Do you, think, do you think you'll ever have to face such, such persecution? And how would you deal with all that? Would you be a little worried, have some fear? Would you worry about it, fear about it? Most would. Well, the disciples didn't have time to process all that. They didn't have time to think through all that. They just had enough time to worry. What's going to happen to us? Fear. And fear is at your door and fear is at my door. Fear tells us to keep quiet about the faith. Keep quiet about the faith. There are people out there who don't like us talking. Don't talk about the resurrection. Keep it locked up inside your heart. Keep the resurrection a secret. Don't let it out. Don't cause trouble. Hide it within. There might be consequences. You know, fear happens when we think the Lord has lost control, that He can't protect us anymore, or that He's expecting too much from us, 
And the sin of fear then strikes us down and sucks us down and fear grips us. And then we begin to doubt, are my sins forgiven? What? How far is this Christian stuff going to go? Exactly what am I expected to do? Is my relationship with God restored? Do I have peace? But then the words from our text comes and resonates in our ears. Jesus came and stood among them and He said, Peace be with you. Shalom. Peace be with you. Amid the storms of life, God comes to you. Yeah, you know, we got somebody taking care of her. In the midst of, of life, God comes to you. Let's see where am I at here. He comes to you and he says, Peace be with you. You know, Paul says, that's why we can say with Paul, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Shalom. Christ has restored our eternal relationship with God through His innocent suffering and His pain and His death. So what does this restoration of peace mean? What does resurrection mean? What does this restoration of relationship with God mean? It means that one day, Jesus is going to come back again and He's going to come to claim you. One day, Jesus is going to claim your body from the grave just as His body died and rose, so also your body is going to die and rise again. And He will restore not just your relationship with God, peace, shalom, He's going to restore your body. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. We lost another member this week, LaVon Kephart. LaVon, our former organist, wanted to go to heaven. One day the Lord is going to give that restorative power to her body. She will rise again. Peace, shalom be to you. And I'm going to tell her family when we meet for the funeral on Tuesday, peace, shalom be with you. Shalom, peace be with you. Paul talks about this restorative power of the resurrection. That is how it will be when the dead come back to life. When the dead body is planted, it decays. When the dead body comes back to life, it cannot decay. When the body is planted, it does not have any splendor and is weak. When the body comes back to life, it has splendor and is strong. It is planted a physical body. It comes back to life as a spiritual body. And Philippians 3.21 assures us this restoration will happen. That Jesus will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subdue everything to Himself. Jesus will restore you shalom peace your relationship with god is already restored shalom and jesus is still with his church today he comes to you his presence is alive in you jesus is alive in you salvation is alive in you 
His presence is alive in you. Shalom. Peace be with you. You are a forgiven child of God and you will live now and for all eternity. This was Jesus' ascension message before He left. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Shalom. Peace be with you. God has a plan. You're a part of it. And think how blessed you are today. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.